Don't look now, but with 13 games to go, the Nashville Predators are four points out of third place in the Central Division. Led by UC Soros' excellent run of a couple of games, including two straight over the Dallas Stars and a 2-0 win and a 1-0 win, Nashville then goes to Montreal on Tuesday night, and they get a huge victory against the Montreal Canadiens, scoring four goals all in the second period. We'll break down that one and understand just how the Nashville Predators were able uh, to have such a good 20 minutes up in Montreal, but also how UC Soros is becoming a star in front of our very eyes, grabbing the number one goaltending spot for these Nashville Predators. It's episode number 13 of the Smashcast, and it starts now. In-depth coverage of the Nashville Predators in a 104.5 The Zone digital exclusive. This is the Smashcast with Will Bowling and Mark Howard. Welcome in, everybody, to episode number 13 of the Smashcast. Alongside Mark Howard, I'm Will Bowling. Special guests and studio audience today, Blaine Bishop. Uh, it's in studio with us as well. Um, he knows hockey. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, come on, Blaine, let's go. Let's hop on a microphone here. Let's, let's, let's mix it up here. <laughs> uh, that's uh, expert analysis there uh, from, from, our, from our buddy Blaine Bishop. Um, but, Mark, uh, last night another uh, a win for the Nashville Predators, making it three in a row. Um, that UC Soros, as Blaine just expertly uh, pointed out, uh, playing really well right now. Um, how much of his play is due to him making some good saves and playing well, and how much of this is the opponent, and specifically Dallas, um, not playing well in front of him uh, over these past couple games? Well, in the, uh, the two Dallas shutouts, he had 70 saves, and a number of them were you know, high-danger chances. Uh, you know, they're, So... I think it's it's his goaltending. You know, it might be a little bit of both. I don't think Dallas played particularly well here, but I thought they played okay uh, in Dallas. Uh, that was a physical, tight-checking game. I thought the other highlight of the game was, frankly, the Predators sticking up for themselves and really taking turns punishing Corey Perry, uh, whether it was uh, Jared Tenardi, whether it was uh, Holzer, Corbinian Holzer, whether it was Roman Yossi, uh you know, you name it. There are a number of Preds, uh, you know, forwards included, that punished Corey Perry every time he touched the puck as payback, really, uh, you know, for the for the shot he leveled on, on Ryan Ellis, knocking him out uh, for more than a month. So I think uh, stuff like that galvanizes a team. But there's no question that the story about the Predators over the last 17 games or so is UC Soros. There's a clear changing of the guard at goaltender. Nothing ambiguous. Pecorine gave them and has given them a lot of great years and a lot of great games. But right now, Saros is the guy. And if the playoffs started uh, right now and the Preds were in, Saros is the number one goaltender, and there really aren't a whole lot of questions. But as far as their play, I think Saros has absolutely been the difference. Last night, uh, you know, they, and we'll talk more about the second period, but the Preds are up 4 nothing in the third, and Montreal scores twice. And they are pushing back in a big way. And Soros made two or three really big saves to really stem the tide. Montreal scores another goal, and it's 4-3. to three, And then all of a sudden, you are thinking about maybe a season-defining loss rather than a big win up in Montreal on a very emotional night, too. Let's not forget that. Sure. Henri Richard is an absolute legend the winningest player in the history of the NHL. 
you know, 11 Stanley Cups that'll that'll never even be close to equaled uh, the way things work now. But whatever the case, uh, you know, a, a legendary player passes away. They had a big pregame ceremony, and and believe me, in Montreal that was absolutely huge. But third period. When Montreal started to push back, it was Soros that really uh, stonewalled them and uh, and keyed the victory. So uh, the the big stat that was often mentioned about this team was their inability to win three games in a row. Now under John Hines, they've done that three times, uh, three separate times. They've won three games in a row uh, under new leadership, which I think is certainly impressive, just given how inconsistent they were kind of at the end there for Peter Laviolette. Um, but I think uh, on the lines of what you're saying, it's impressive to me that some of the guys that are sticking up for Ryan Ellis and sticking up against uh, Corey Perry weren't even on the roster for that Winter Classic when that happened. When you talk about Holzer and Tenority, those guys didn't play in that game uh, for the Nashville Predators. So that has to go a long way for a team that uh, in the past, especially in the postseason, has looked um, uh, not tough enough. That they, you know, that it's been said about them, kind of those third and fourth lines aren't. Uh, aren't tough enough, aren't physical enough. Uh, the, the forwards such as uh, Johansson and Forsberg aren't willing to do enough defensively. And I think that has to go a long way towards trying to kind of toughen up this team um, and kind of galvanize them to be a more physical and tough and grinded out kind of team uh, towards the end of the season in order to make the postseason. Well, they might not have been on the team for the Winter Classic, but they are now, and that's their role. And they and they certainly uh, lived up to that, uh, especially in the game in Dallas. But it's been more than that, uh, and I and I think that's really helped the Predators. I think that's more uh, to their identity. They're not really a speed team, although they I thought they played awfully fast, especially in the first forty minutes last night. Uh, you can be uh, sort of a combination of both sometimes, uh, but yeah, I, I think that element of the team, uh, you know, has definitely it, and it's kind of funny. You know, we talk about all the moves that David Poyle didn't make at the trade deadline, but calling up Tenardi uh, and and acquiring uh, Holzer could end up being uh, somewhat significant if they make the playoffs. So kind of a process question here for you as far as the, the goaltending goes. How much does it help a guy like UC Soros, uh, and I'll use a, a kind of a cross-sport analogy here and compare it to kind of to Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry struggled early in his career because he is a volume back that wasn't getting a ton of carries. He was kind of a second fiddle kind of guy. Then all of a sudden he becomes the guy, this volume rusher, and, and really you see him take the next step and become an elite player. How much can that be said of a goaltender who isn't getting in a rhythm, is playing every third, fourth game, um, and, and really is is kind of the relief pitcher, the guy stepping in for Pecorine, and then you become the guy, so to speak, and you're the hot hand. How much does it help you uh, in a sport like this, in a position like uh, a goaltender in the National Hockey League, to be in there night in and night out? Uh, does that kind of raise the ceiling for a guy like UC Saros at this point in his career? Well, I think he had to clean up a little bit uh, in terms of his fundamentals and sort of quiet things down a little bit. He was... You know, the, there were a few flaws in his game, but I think once he started playing well and he gained confidence, uh, you know, this is the most he's played. And, uh, and really, cause Pekka had struggled a little bit and then Pekka got sick. Uh, I, I think that it's sort of a confluence of a lot of things. Uh, I, I think he started playing well. John Hines recognized that and he got the work. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it definitely helps when you play a lot. Uh, and John Hines talks about, 
Saros's consistency in terms of between game preparation. You know, he knows the drill. Pekka might be his idol, but UC Saros knows how to be a starting goaltender, and he's definitely displayed that. So the second period uh, on Tuesday night in Montreal, let, let's get into that. This has to be the best 20 minutes of hockey the Predators have played, at least on the offensive end, in I don't know how long. I, I have trouble finding a better period of hockey, especially when you factor in just how much uh, the Predators needed those points and it being on the road in the middle of this road trip. Um, I, I have a hard time coming up with a better 20 minutes of hockey. And when you also factor in the fact that Philip Forsberg has now not only come out of witness protection, but is uh, is kind of leading this team again right now offensively, this was a uh, an encouraging sight for the Predators, even despite what happened, uh, giving up a couple of goals in the third period. Well, I think it's an illustration of what they've been doing, first of all, uh, beginning on special teams. Uh, they've had 15 straight stops uh, on the penalty kill, which is... You know, which for a while, uh, you know, it was was not a good area for them. They were the worst in the league, uh, so they've cleaned that up a little bit. Third straight game, they've scored a power play goal, and uh, Forsberg had one of those. But the other thing too is that the Predators have started driving to the net again, and you saw that with Matt Duchesne in the first period, drawing a couple of penalties because he was driving to the net. They were playing faster than Montreal. Montreal was kind of chasing them, and that's something we didn't see enough of, uh, you know, throughout the season. You know, you, the other thing too is, uh, you know, you, you got a great goal from Johansson. You love the way that whole thing started. With uh, with Joey in the defensive end, and then jumping into the play, you know, Arvidsson and Forsberg came in on an odd man rush. Carey Price made the initial save, but Joey jumped right in and scored the goal. And then on the power play, you know, you saw Forsberg scoring from the slot, which is where he should be, and not and not being a perimeter player. You know, Philip Forsberg has to drive to the net. He has to get into the dirty areas, maybe not as a guy standing in front of the net, but a guy who is willing to go to the net. And and, and I think that's important. And, and now you're starting to see him score again. You know, and the other thing with the Predators, I think I think this three-game winning streak is real. They might lose in Toronto on Thursday. But I, by far, I've I really like the way they've played over the last three games. I thought the the last three game winning streak was a little bit of fool's gold. I I, I don't think this time around. I, I think they're legitimately playing well. Uh, I think they've got a real chance to have a great road trip. They're off to a two nothing start. They've got three tough games. They, you know, they've got games uh, at Toronto tomorrow, Saturday at Columbus, and then next week at Philadelphia. Uh, all teams that are playing pretty well right now. But but I I like the way the Predators are playing. I think uh, you know I think they're peaking maybe at the right time. They are not a perfect team. They're a flawed team to a certain degree. But you are you are you are starting to see a lot of other things. Um, I think Chris Mason mentioned it on the broadcast last night. Law of averages: the good players are going to eventually start playing uh, up to their capabilities, and I think you're seeing that now. Yeah, so we we kind of mentioned Philip Forsberg getting uh, getting a couple goals, starting to play a little bit better. Um, so is Ryan Johansson. Uh, he gets another goal last night, the, yeah. the first goal of that game to start um, uh, that huge second period. And my question for you, and, and I go back to 2017 and kind of in framing this, 
Ryan Johansson, before he got hurt, was doing everything for the Nashville Predators. I know this is a guy that gets knocked a lot for always taking the pass, not shooting the puck enough, but it looks like he's starting to play with more confidence, starting to understand his role in John Hines' system a little bit more right now. How much does John Hines and how much do the Nashville Predators need Johansson to not just be a, a, a passer but a scorer uh, in order for them to not just make the playoffs but, but maybe win a series and make a little bit of a run? Well, Hines wants him to be a defensive presence, too. Now, right now, Hines has balanced out the lines. Uh, I think he's got to stack them, uh, you know, once they get to the playoffs. So I think there's a good chance. And, you know, let me let me also include Victor Arvidsson, who is finally starting sure. to play with the speed we're accustomed to. That was lacking. He admitted, you know, getting the lower body uh, injury from the hit by Robert Portuzo of the Blues a couple of months ago, you know, we're, start, we're starting to see RV play like RV. So I, I think the Jofa line, you know, might have a reunion or at least the top six, uh, you know, will be put together. Uh, but, yeah, as far as Johansson is concerned, he's always been a frustrating guy to watch because he's got the capability of playing at a very high level. But there are other games where he floats and just uses his reach and, you know, just I don't want to say that he's lazy, but it just – Sometimes his motor is a little bit higher uh, than on other nights, and he seems to have gotten the message from Hines. Uh, his playing time will will be determined by what he does on the ice, and uh, and yeah, I I think the Predators absolutely need this guy. I mean, that's supposedly their number one center. So this is shaping up to be one of the the, the more tight and uh, kind of wild finishes to the season in in the Western Conference as far as the playoff picture goes. There's a lot of teams just jammed right in there. Uh, and Mark, if I had told you that the Predators would be four points out of the third spot in the Central Division at, at the All-Star break, what would you have said to me? Well, <laughs> I would have said it's about time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, going down the stretch, Minnesota's playing well. I mean, former Pred Kevin Fiala has been on fire. Uh, you know, Winnipeg keeps winning. Uh, we saw Vancouver pull one out last night because they've become a part of the wild card uh, race, too. Uh, you know, alternating sort of with Calgary. There are a lot of good teams sort of bunched together that are very close in terms of level of talent. And with all that being said, the L.A. Kings, you know, who will play a lot of these teams that are trying to get into the wild card, L.A.'s out of the playoff race, but they're they're playing as well as anybody. Uh, the Sharks have played well. So, you know, some of these also rans aren't playing like that you know the Blackhawks are a dangerous team even uh so that's what's going to make uh the stretch run of this season interesting because even the have-nots uh are, are not pushovers you've got six teams within five points uh pushing for three playoffs yes uh, and Nashville right now if the season would end today uh would play the Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, in the first round of the playoffs, and that's another team that's been playing as well yes. uh, as anybody since uh, they made a coaching change. So uh, it is certainly going to be a, an interesting and uh, and fun final couple of weeks uh, in the National Hockey League and specifically here in Nashville. So the uh, the SEC tournament break and road trip this week for the Nashville Predators. Uh, they are in Toronto Thursday night, uh, and we'll be back uh, next week uh, to recap it all and preview uh, the upcoming games. Uh, here on the Smashcast. Mark, uh, we appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Will.
Let's go around the NHL for a minute before we wrap up episode number 13. We will talk to you again uh, middle of next week as we get you ready uh, for another upcoming homestand for the Nashville Predators. But on the SEC tournament road trip right now, they head again, uh, as I just mentioned with Mark, to Toronto tomorrow night. Uh, That's a Toronto team coming off a big win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Austin Matthews in the process scored the tie-breaking goal uh, with three and a half minutes left in that one. And the Maple Leafs, they moved three points ahead of the Florida Panthers for third place in that Atlantic division. Uh, Meanwhile, that means the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're eight points now behind the first place Boston Bruins, who uh, seem to be skating towards the number one overall seed uh, in that conference uh, in the Atlantic. They're at 100 points now with Tampa Bay right behind them at 92. uh, And Boston just running away with uh, the entire Eastern Conference, the first team to hit triple digits, and it's not even close uh, with Tampa Bay and St. Louis at 92 points, but uh, the Washington Capitals, who started off so well, uh, now at 90 points, just one point ahead of the Philadelphia Flyers in the Metropolitan Division. That Metro Division has has been a juggernaut this season. Boston did defeat Philadelphia two to nothing last night. That's the uh, a nine game winning streak, I should say, uh, coming to an end for Philadelphia, who the Predators will see soon. Uh, so they just stay one point behind Washington, as I mentioned. Uh, but the Bruins uh, have the best record in the league and uh, have now extended their division lead to eight points over Tampa Bay. Also in the Eastern Conference, the Pittsburgh Penguins, a 5-2 winner over the New Jersey Devils. Evgeny Malkin, two goals and an assist for him. Uh, and now the Penguins, three points within Philadelphia with a, uh, a rare Philadelphia loss last night. Um, uh, meanwhile, the Devils on the losing end of that one, they're 13 points out of that second wildcard spot. Uh, so they have uh, certainly improved things, but that Eastern Conference so tough uh, to sneak in there. There's a lot of good elite teams uh, playing in the East so far this year. So the Predators, they get help from the New York Rangers, uh, uh, who beat the Dallas Stars 4-2 to two on Tuesday night. Uh, the Stars, they are eight points now behind second-place Colorado in the Central Division. So if the Predators are able to sneak up on Dallas and get that third spot in the Central, uh, you're looking at another Nashville-Colorado first round, uh, and that would be one where Colorado would have the home ice advantage and not Nashville. Rangers had been 1-4 and four, uh, in their previous five. Uh, they're still in that thick of that big clump of teams in the Eastern Conference as well. Uh, three points behind Columbus and Carolina, who are tied for first right now in that wild card in the East. So Nashville, with the win last night, as we mentioned earlier on the podcast, they move up to that first wild card spot. So if the season ended today, you would see one of the hottest teams in the NHL. The Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, are 8-2 and two in their last 10. They've won two in a row. Uh, they have played two extra games than Nashville, uh, but they do have an eight-point lead on the Predators right now, leading the Pacific Division. Uh, and then if you win that one, you would get the winner of Edmonton and Calgary, quite frankly, if I'm the Predators, I don't want any part of Connor McDavid in uh, in the postseason. Not just because that's the team that put up eight on you uh, a couple weeks ago here in Bridgestone Arena, but I I don't want any part of that guy uh, in the middle of a cup run. I don't I don't know if the Predators have what it takes uh, to defend a guy like that uh, when the postseason rolls around. 
So uh, lots of teams right in the thick of it. Vancouver tied with Nashville in 78 points. So is Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg has played one extra game. Uh, then you look at the Minnesota Wild down there, just one point behind Nashville with 77. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, as Mark mentioned, are, are right in the thick of it. Uh, they're still eight points back of the Predators, but uh, that's at least a formidable opponent that's going to take points away from some of these Central Division teams. You could argue at this point that the Central Division is the deepest in the National Hockey League. Uh, I mean, the last place team with 70 points and the next to last with 77 uh, and three teams kind of bunched within one point right there. It's it's hard to find another division uh, just as deep as uh, uh, the Central. No easy points uh, right now for the Predators in their divisional games uh, moving forward. So tomorrow night, they'll get Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, and that's going to be a 6 o'clock Central start once again uh, for the National Predators, which personally, it's my favorite time slot, not a bad one. Uh, and then 6 o'clock Central again at Columbus on Saturday. There will be fans in the stands, despite the governor of Ohio uh, issuing that uh, statement, decree, whatever you want to call it, that uh, that fans uh, would hopefully not be allowed uh, in games going on in Ohio. Uh, the, the Blue Jackets looks like they're, they're not going to go with that. They're going to have fans there. Uh, and then a, a big back-to-back uh, on the other side. Sunday night at 6.30, the Predators in Minnesota uh, for... I'm not going to say a must-win matchup with the Wild because uh, there's still plenty of games left, uh, but that is going to be uh, a huge one. Kevin Fiala, as Mark mentioned, is lights out right now, the Wild. uh, That's who the Predators will end the season with on April the 4th at home uh, on that last Saturday of the season. So you got one more chance against those guys, uh, but but you look forward at the Predators' schedule, and it's it's not going to be easy. Uh, you get the Colorado Avalanche uh, next week at home. You get the Flyers twice in this last little spell. You get the the Blackhawks on another back-to-back next weekend uh, who are are playing better hockey right now. You get Winnipeg. You get Colorado again. You get the Arizona Coyotes, Montreal again. And then you finish up with the Wild. No easy points with exception of maybe the L.A. Kings. Uh, but they're playing good hockey right now as well. So nothing going to come easy for Nashville. There's no more games with the Detroit Red Wings uh, or any of the, the complete bottom dwellers in the National Hockey League. Uh, so it is going to be a big push. Uh, but we'll see if the Predators can can sneak in that final playoff spot in the Central Division uh, and maybe get a better chance at making another big run. So that's going to do it here for episode number 13. Thank you for joining us. Uh, a reminder that wherever you're finding us, there's – Probably another platform, if you like to use it better, you can hear us there as well. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher, uh, as well as 1045thezone.com. We're going to be covering this playoff push uh, and hopefully a playoff run uh, as well completely here on the Smashcast. Looking at maybe doing some some special, unique stuff uh, when that time rolls around. Uh, Maybe look at doing uh, some post-game coverage, some pre-game coverage on site uh, at Bridgestone Arena. We will certainly blast that out here on the podcast uh, and you can also find me on twitter at will underscore bowling that's b-o-l-i-n-g for all the latest predators news that's going to do it here today appreciate you joining us we will talk to you next week on episode number 14 when the predators are back home here on the smashcast